How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 181 of X-Labs, where, uh, well, it's uh, one of those good news, bad news situations today. Uh, The good news is that it's Cable Day, and uh, Cable is more often than not a very fun book to read. The bad news is, it's Cable Day, and Cable is a book that uh, nobody reads. And also, uh, as a result, uh, very few people actually listen to the Cable episodes of this program. Not that people are listening to the other episodes in a great number, but uh, Cable is an especially painful uh, dose of reality for your uh, your humble and inferiority-laden host. So uh, let's get on into it here. It is Cable, Volume 4, Number 9. It's a May 2021 cover date. we got three issues left after this one. Stories called Bargaining, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Phil Noto. Led is VC's Josebino, designs Tom Muller, head of X is Hickman. Edits Bisa White Sapolsky, cover price $3.99 American. This went on sale March 24 of 2021. And this has a pretty fun cover to it. This has uh, Cable and uh, his chosen cuckoo uh, sharing a drink, probably at the Green Lagoon, out of a sentinel head-shaped uh, cup or mug. It's a nice cover, really, really cool. Now we open with uh, one of those mostly blank quote pages, as we've been accustomed to with the uh, these X books here. But this one is uh, actually a little bit heartbreaking here, and it actually speaks speaks to what might be yet to come for this volume as it uh, winds down its pages. Now, it's from an anonymous patron at the Green Lagoon, and this person says that, you know, everybody used to be scared of old man cable, but nobody's scared of the kid. So kind of the story of Kid Cable's short life so far, in it. Now, our story proper opens on board an AIM submarine. Now, this is a submarine that's drifted a tad too close to Krakoa, and by a tad too close, we mean less than 100 meters away, which, yeah, it's pretty darn close, isn't it? Seems like this sort of thing is happening a lot in the X-Books, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's just the two times that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, but uh, I don't know, it just seems... Uh, Timing's weird, because, I mean, we just had Quentin and his cuckoo investigate that cruise ship, and now we've got Cable and his cuckoo taking care of this, you know, AIM submarine matter. Now, the thing here is, Cable and Esme Cuckoo have somehow gotten into the sub and into a pair of AIM beekeeper outfits. They cram the actual AIM beekeepers into a torpedo chute and fire them into the drink. Our heroes then head to the surface so they can make out a bit in front of Emma and Scott, Now, Emma kind of sighs it off. She seems annoyed at the fact that they are uh, making some time together here, despite the fact that earlier in this very volume, Emma herself told Scott that Esme needed to have her heart broken. So, well, who knows? 
Now, Scott saunters up and comments how those beekeepers were lucky it was them who took care of this matter rather than Magneto. Not entirely sure what he's implying here. I mean, Magneto still has to abide by that kill-no-man law. Uh, Maybe he should have said, better us than X-Force? Anyway, it looks like the AIM submarine was armed with a nuke, which Esme and Nate disabled. Cable then pulls Emma off to the side to speak with her for a moment about a favor that he'd asked her for. Now, of course, he is still looking for strife. And Emma and the rest of the cuckoos tried to track strife down, but couldn't. Now, Emma takes Cable asking her for this favor as a sign that he'd like to keep this as mum as possible. Otherwise, I mean, why wouldn't he have just asked Jean for the assist, right? seems like he's not too concerned with keeping this quiet so much as he's just not wanting to include Scott and Jean for, uh, well, obvious reasons. Cable goes to leave in order to resume his search and asks Emma to make an excuse for his absence to Esme. Esme watches as Nate swims off, and Emma, after the tactful clone mama, tells her that looks like the boy would rather throw himself in the ocean than be with her right now, which... It's ice cold, but uh, definitely in character. From here, we hop over to the double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters today include Cable, Esme Cuckoo, Emma Frost, Cyclops, Wolverine, Rachel Summers, Magic, Wildside, and Hope Summers. And we pick back up in... Oh, come on, Madripoor again? Okay, well, here, Cable is going to attempt to ask Wolverine for some help in this search for strife. He brings up the fact that Wolverine still owes him a marker from their bout in the quarry, which Cable won all the way back in issue one, which, I mean, do I even need to say that there's no editorial footnote to point us there? I mean, we're all smart people, though, so we know. Anyway, speaking of smart people, let's take a look at the opposite. Now, we've got Kid Cable, and he sees Wolverine in his patch getup sitting at a bar. Rather than, you know, just observing to see what Wolverine might be up to, well, our boy just plops down beside him and refers to him out loud as Logan, which sort of kind of 100% tosses a monkey wrench into whatever plan Wolvie was working on here. Now, we did overhear a little bit of a conversation that Patch was having with a Madriporian about someone blackmailing the royal family. I'm not sure if this is anything we need to pay any mind to or just a fairly like boilerplate sort of thing that Logan as Patch might be looking into in order to justify this scene occurring. Anyway, since his cover's been blown, Wolverine has to fight his way out of the bar. He tells Kid Cable that he's got no problem helping him, he just doesn't have time right now. Plus, uh, at this point he doesn't think the kid is far enough along in the process to require Logan's particular skill set. From here, we hop to the Boneyard, where Cable is approaching his sister of sorts, Rachel. Now, she scans for Strife, but cannot find him. She posits that he's either got some really, really strong PSI shields, or psi shields, if you will, or he's off-planet. That stands to reason that he'd have better-than-decent shields, since, well, he is a clone of Cable. Nate kicks himself for not ensuring that Strife had been completely taken off the board, as first he thought he'd killed him, then he thought he'd at the very least mind-wiped him. Turns out neither of these were true. Now, I'm going to assume that this was the story from the previous volume of X-Force, but as I haven't read it, I can't swear to it. Um, it feels like this series, the one we're currently reading to this point, has been trying like, not to mention the previous Kid Cable and Strife run-ins, but here we are. Rachel tells him about another time in X-History where babies were being swiped. Now, this is a reference to Inferno, of course, and so she suggests that Cable head over to the Academos habitat to chat up Face. 
No, no, I'm just kidding. Nobody ever needs to talk to Face. Uh, she suggests that he speak to magics, and she might know a thing or two about, you know, the demons and whatnot, and baby napping, and we'll get there. And so, Cable does just that. We see magic in the middle of a training session with some young mutants in hand-to-hand combat. She unsurprisingly wipes the floor with them. You know, and I actually like this here because it's playing up what's going on right now in New Mutants with the, uh, you know, the old New Muse training the new New Muse. This is, uh, this is good stuff. Now, Ilyana takes Nate into limbo so he can chat up, oh boy, I'm gonna have to pronounce this, Nastier? Naastier? Uh, the demon who was kidnapping babies back in Inferno. Now, she's got him chained up in a cave where he's been subject to horrible torture for the past hundred years, and I'm, I'm sure that's limbo time, hundred years. And so Cable asks Nastier, Naastier, uh, about Strife and the babies, and the demon is unfortunately of very little help. All he says is, uh, you know, I'll tell you whatever you want if you can get me out of these chains, which, yeah, that really isn't much of a help at all when you're actually looking for something. And so, slump-shouldered Cable walks away. From here, though, we actually get to see the torture in action, and it's, it's actually, you know, kind of a hoot. We got a bunch of little demons, and they pull out their recorders. I mean, you know, those fake-ass flutes that they made us play back in elementary school? Where you'd play like the the, the BAG, the, the bag lady one, the BAG. Um, those. That's what they got. So they start tooting on their recorders here while one begins to sing that proclaimer song about walking a thousand miles. And okay, this is this is very funny here. And I mean Duggan is a funny dude, but this feels like Zeb Wells level comedy here. Really, really good stuff here. It's not often that I actually, you know, smirk, let alone laugh out loud, uh, reading one of these things, but this scene Certainly got me here. Very, very fun stuff. From here, Magic drops Cable back off on Krakoa so he can try maybe pursuing another lead in the search for strife here. And uh, this time he's going to go chat up former MLF member Wildside. Now, we last saw him as part of the Cosmar storyline over in New Mutants. And now Wildside is... uh, He's not being very cooperative here. And he's even going as far as to give Cable a little bit of sass when asked for help. Which, I suppose, in fairness, Cable doesn't so much ask for his help, he kind of just demands answers here. Now, after Wildside suggests that perhaps Kid Cable actually is Strife, they tussle for a bit. Amid the fracas, Wildside asks why Strife wouldn't be welcome on Krakoa, considering that it is for all mutants. And so I guess he's not exactly up to speed on the whole clone and dupe rules. Cable then cracks Wildside's back on a rock and proceeds to pummel him about, about the head and shoulders. He is then zapped with a bit of psychic energy. Then stood before him is, well, look at that, Hope Summers. And I gotta ask, is this the first time we're seeing Hope and Kid Cable share some meaningful panel space? It might not be. Uh, Remember, I haven't read X-Force Volume 5 yet, but this is definitely the first time that I'm seeing it. And it's a uh, pretty awkward conversation, as you well know it probably ought to be. For those unaware, Old Man Cable actually raised Hope from babyhood to young adulthood during Cable Volume 2. Now, in that series, he and Baby Hope would jump through time to keep one step ahead of Bishop, because Bishop had kind of lost his stuff. He'd flipped out around then and believed that he was prophesied to kill Hope. You know, he saw Hope as not so much the mutant messiah, but like the mutant antichrist, and he saw it as his, I don't know, sacred duty or just his prophesied duty to... Take Hope out. And we did talk a little bit about this in uh, the X-Men the Exterminated episode over during X-Labs the Nation. And uh, that was a 
pretty big letdown of a scene, if I remember right, and I hardly do. Anyway, like I said, this is Hope chatting with the younger version of her adoptive father, and also the guy who, well, you know, killed her adoptive father. The kid says he regrets that, and he considers it his biggest mistake. He mentions that he's uh, been kind of on his heels since X of Tens, which is true. He's not doing so hot, is he? I mean, he drew the full card from uh, Saturnine's tarot deck, and he totally took it at face value. He didn't think it through. He didn't think of the other angles that the fool card might suggest. He just saw himself as the fool. He also showed weakness, which cost him the bout with Bay the Blood Moon during uh, one of the final chapters, maybe the penultimate chapter of X of Tens. Uh, he was also corrupted by Null for the King in Blackbit. Uh, he was, uh, and as a Knable, he was defeated fairly easily by Manifold. So not a great streak for a fellow who opened this volume by besting Wolverine in one-on-one combat. Anyway, he makes a plea to Hope. He suggests that in order to track down Strife, they're going to have to have the other guy, in, in other words, the old man Cable, back. Hope cautions him about Krakoa's dupe rule, but Nate is steadfast. He suggests that the old man is out there somewhere, and that they're going to need him to, f- to defeat Strife. So uh, this doesn't seem to be like a resurrection request, more of a, hey, how about we go hop through time and find the old man sort of request. Which, I mean, in hindsight, has been alluded to since the very first issue of this series. So uh, I gotta say, very, very well done. We wrap up the issue with an info page, and it's a memo regarding duplicates. Now, it was decided that duplicates, with few exceptions, would undermine the validity of the resurrection protocols. And this has been extended to include alternate dimension versions of our characters, as well as time travelers. And I tell you, that's, a pretty, that's some pretty good information to have here. Uh, so if I'm receiving this right, and I very well may not be, it doesn't exactly ban such a thing from occurring. Like, I mean, how could you stop an alternate version of any character or a time traveler from just showing up, right? You, you just can't. That's just something that would happen to you. But you can choose to exclude them from the resurrection proceedings should they perish, which I think is going to be the gimmick moving on here. Now, there are some exceptions to this rule listed, and uh, they include the Stepford Cuckoos, as uh, their existence is viewed as an, quote, extension of Emma Frost's mutant gifts, which, I don't know, but I guess that's one way of justifying it. Um, Also, Madrox Prime can be brought back if he were to die and a dupe of his were to survive, which, I mean, that's fair enough. Anyway, that's where we leave this issue for today. Uh, next episode, it's, uh, well, it's Excalibur Day. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll worry about that next time. But uh, for now, let's talk about this issue of Cable here, because we do get some really interesting information here. Um, I think if the solicits and the upcoming covers are any indication, the, uh, the old man is coming back, right? Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, uh, which one's the dupe? Right? Which one will be the dupe? We know that the uh, the Quiet Council and Krakoa, they frown on having duplicates around, of course. Uh, this isn't Old Man Cable being resurrected. This is him being plucked somewhere out of the time stream. A, just a future version of the kid we've got now with more experience, more ability, um, just more of an, maybe more of an understanding of how strife works. Uh, 
So what do we do from here is my question. Um, does Krakoa or the Quiet Council or, you know, whoever is in charge of this thing, do they just wait for the first one of these two to die and then just not bring that one back? Like, if we have Old Man Cable come back and then in this battle with Strife, Kid Cable gets killed, do we just say, okay, well, we already have one. We're fine now. We don't need to do anything. Uh, do we don't need to uh, bring the kid back because we have a cable? I mean, it's very, very interesting, and it actually um, introduces some form of stakes into this volume here. I mean, that's one of the things we've talked about a lot since the very beginning, is that a lot of these stories don't feel like they have any stakes, because if you die, you come back. And then when they when they introduce some stakes into Exitens, it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. You know, that's something that is going to have to be worried about. That's going to be something that's kind of hanging over our heads here. If they die in the wrong place, what might happen to them? Uh, how do they come back? Do they come back? But here, I mean, it's pretty much written out in black and white here. Uh, they only want one of each. And very soon it looks like we're going to have two. Now, if I were a betting man, and I've said it time and again, I'm not. <laughs> um, I really I don't know what I would bet on here. Um, either we do bring Old Man Cable back, and Old Man Cable is the one that dies, right? And this only gives the younger Cable a, a measure of confidence, right? He, he stepped out of the shadow of the Old Man Cable. He was able to survive where the Old Man couldn't. And uh, this isn't just him, you know, jumping him and shooting him like, like what happened in Extermination, but this is more of an even playing field here. So if the kid is able to succeed where the old man fails, that can certainly build into the maturation of, uh, of Kid Cable here, um, coming into his own. And I mean, it's like, uh, to use like a, a reference from uh, professional wrestling here, you have guys who go on losing streaks, right? And then their, their win means much more, at least in theory, because usually they drag these things on too long, and by the time they get the win, you're already over it. But... In this situation, we've had we got Kid Cable just getting hammered, right? He started this series out very, very strong. He beat Wolverine. Not many people can say that. Then, well, he started racking up L's, right? He was losing a lot. So it might stand to reason that we wrap up this volume with him getting a win and him coming to terms with the fact that he's not perfect, but he's good enough, right? And that he won't be defined by every win or every loss. It's just a, a maturation process. So that's one option we have here. And again, this is making a lot of assumptions that we are headed down this direction where we're going to have two cables on the board. The other option is Kid Cable dies. And we have the old man again. And everybody who was turned off by having the kid version of Cable will just come scurrying back to the X-Books because the one that they recognize is back in the, uh, is back in the pouches. But uh, I think the question we need to ask ourselves here is, are these the same guy anymore? I mean, genetically, DNA-wise, body makeup, sure. We know they're the same guy. They're the, they're the same guy at different points in their lives. But... They have different experiences now. They have a whole different uh, outlooks on lives, on their lives. They, I mean, would we consider them more different or more alike at this point? The old man and the kid. Do they, are they different enough to justify having them both? And I mean, that's a question that I remember asking back in the day where, uh, right before DC Rebirth, about to, right between, what was it, uh, Convergence and uh, DC Rebirth, 
they launched that uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark book here, which brought the pre the post crisis Superman into the New Fifty Two universe, and then we had to figure out which one we were going to keep because this, you know, isn't pre crisis here. We not we can't have all these characters going around. I'm you know I mean that's laughable to say because I'm, you know, it's been changed a lot, but. At this point in time, it was about bringing things back to a semblance of normalcy and familiarity. And so, they had to get rid of one of them, and they got rid of the new one. Which, had I gone into it cold, I would have been just like 100% for. You know, it's like, okay, give me my guy back, get rid of this faker, get rid of this uh, pretender in a, in Exodus parlance here. Get rid of this uh, New 52 version. And uh, in the lead-up to the New 52 Superman's death... He actually became a character that I felt was worth following and worth reading here. I felt that there were more things about him that were different than the you know prime Superman that he could exist. He didn't need to necessarily die. Of course, I mean I don't have any sort of say in anything here. I just uh, I felt bad that they were they were taking this character off the board here, and I'm having very similar pangs right now. With the possibility that Kid Cable, a character who I came into this not wanting, you know, I did not want this. And here we are, and I've enjoyed so many of the stories he's been a part of, post-Fallen Angels. And here I am, uh, actually a little worried and a little upset that uh, we might be losing this uh, this new character, this Kid Cable. It's uh, such a weird spot to be in. I never thought I would, uh, I never thought I would think this way, but uh, I think... Uh, Jerry Duggan has done just a bang-up job with this character over the course of the past year plus, and it's uh, it's just been a real treat. Again, though, these are all hot takes here. I don't have any any sort of insider knowledge. I barely have uh, any knowledge. Period. So <laughs> I couldn't tell you which way this is gonna go. It's just my uh, you know my spidey sense is pinging a little bit. Now let's talk a little bit about the time traveler resurrection ban here, because we got to make some assumptions here. We have to assume that this is limited to those who have a current-day counterpart, right? Because not too long ago, just a handful of episodes ago, we saw in X-Factor, Rachel, a time traveler, was killed and came back, you know, a page or two later. And I gotta figure that that's because there is no Rachel in the present-day 616 Marvel Universe, right? So say if Bishop were to die, um, he could be brought back then because there is no 616 current day counterpart for him. And again, I, I'm just spitballing here because I'm, we did just see Rachel come back. And uh, this edict that we just read on this info page would say that, uh, that you wouldn't bring her back. You wouldn't bring back a time traveler. But uh, I gotta assume it's all about how many of each character they have here. Whereas Old Man Cable, whose, whose body we have seen not too long ago, we saw it uh, somewhat recently, it was built into Deadpool's uh, pool table uh, over on Staten Island. He can't be resurrected because there currently is a present-day version of himself running around, which another thing that popped into my mind here is maybe there is a third option for how this can go, or third or fourth option, I suppose, uh, depending on which which direction we lean in here, um, where neither Cable has to die necessarily, but they could just leave, you know? Not just leave Krakoa, but leave now, right? We could have this big knockdown drag out between the Cables and the Strifes, and uh, that could wrap up with our young kid Cable realizing that he's got a lot to learn still. And so maybe he goes to travel through time to get uh, seasoned, right? Because... You know, I'm thinking, 
if they are the same character from the same timeline, from the same universe, if Kid Cable dies, then... And I mean, time travel's such a headache, but uh, there is a school of thought that should Kid Cable die, Old Man Cable will vanish. And I don't know if they'll be able to work around that, or if that's just something we won't mention, but I mean, that is uh, certainly a possibility. So maybe Kid Cable just decides that he's going to start traveling through time, or the other way around. Maybe Old Man Cable's like, hey, you know, I was happy to give you a hand, but I got stuff to do elsewhere in the timeline, and he's just out there. And he could come back at any point, uh, or maybe he won't. I don't know, it's a... it's very interesting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where this goes here because uh, this, this is a book that's asking a lot, of those, uh, a lot of those tough questions and it's actually giving us a little bit of information that we've been uh, very, very curious about. Finally, uh, the art. I mean, do I need to say anything about Phil Noto's art here? It's uh, very, very wonderful stuff here. I, I will miss Phil Noto as much as I miss anything in this book because he nails it every time out. It's wonderful, wonderful art. Um, but that's basically all I got to say about this issue. Uh, if you agree or disagree, I uh, beg you to let me know. Please think about reaching out if you have a moment. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisoninfiniteearths.com. You can chat us up on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men on Facebook. 90s X-Men, no hyphen. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie listening needs, you can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and that is available anywhere you find noise and sound on the internet. And uh, if you like what you hear, it would make me so happy if you'd spread the word and share the show. It would mean the world to me. But that will do it for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your time with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.